Did you enjoy the beautiful sunshine the last couple days? Right? No. We were supposed to take the scouts camping. Uh, my co-leader and I, we lead a, thank you guys, we lead a, a tiger group, so first grade boys. And uh, we were supposed to go camping Friday night and Saturday and uh, obviously got called it off. But uh, I, I thought it was a great opportunity to teach the boys about wilderness survival and emergency preparedness and disaster rescue techniques. But we'll wait till they're second graders and teach them then. So uh, if you uh, were here last week, you know that we started a new series uh, called The Parent Whisper. And uh, our lead pastor, Bill White, got some inspiration from uh, The Dog Whisperer on one of those channels, uh, Cesar Milan, I believe, um, would train dogs and rehabilitate parents. And so the whole idea behind this series is that, you know, we want to help you uh, to know how to train your kids and raise them, uh, but we need to rehabilitate you first. And uh, so don't feel alarmed at that. Um, but uh, we, you know, this whole thing about the dogs, I'm not a dog person. Um, I love dogs, but I don't want to own one. Um, I like, we're cat people. I like the simplicity of a cat. You know, you got the litter box, you got the food, you can go away for three or four days and not have to worry about it. Um, you know, and we're just not dog people. In fact, um, my kids have somehow developed, um, a fear of dogs. Uh, my son, Ethan, he's seven, especially. And, uh, just, I don't know why he's never had a bad situation. He's never been attacked or bitten by a dog. Um, but he just doesn't like dogs. And so we're constantly trying to, you know, connect him with dogs and he's getting better. And we were in a, a Lowe's parking lot one day and I pointed out a, a dog in a car and, you know, wanted to see what Ethan would do. And he was like, oh, he's cute. He's like, I like dogs. So as long as they're old, blind or have three legs. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So. So as we talk about this parenting uh, series, this whole idea of, of uh, training up kids, um, I thought it'd be good if I gave you my parenting credentials. Um, you know, I have two kids. Uh, there you go. That's, that's all the training I have. Um, Ethan is seven uh, years old, and uh, he's, I've talked about him before. He's kind of shy and timid. Um, he is, he's my dog, actually. Uh, he is a little puppy. Um, as soon as I get home, he is like at my side. Dad, dad, what do you want to do? Dad, dad, you want to play? You ever see that cartoon of the little dog bouncing around the big dog? You know, hey, 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 where are we going to go? What are we going to do? What are you going to do? That's Ethan. As soon as I get home, you know, he's right there. Um, Morgan, my four-year-old little daughter, she is more like a cat. Um, she will allow me to come into her presence and I can love her for a time. And then I'm dismissed and she has no need for me anymore. Um, but, you know, it, I, I guess there is some merit to the fact that I am standing up here as a pastor and talking about parenting and the fact I have two kids. Uh, I was in ministry. I was a pastor before I had kids. And when I finally had kids, it was an eye-opening experience for me about how to minister and, and lead a church family. Um, I learned a lot of things. Now I understood why parents were late uh, for everything. Um, I understood why uh, mothers never looked like they did anything with their hair. Um, I just, I get it now. You know, I didn't then. Um, I understand now that you don't call a mom between 1 and 3.30 in the afternoon because that's nap time. And she will kill you the next time she sees you if you interrupt nap time because that's her only break from sanity. Um, but, you know, before I had kids, I, I couldn't have spoken with any validity on this topic. Uh, it's kind of like uh, somebody who's not married giving you marriage advice. It, it just doesn't work that way. Now, from a spiritual parenting perspective, though, from my spiritual parenting credentials, I have absolutely none. Uh, many of you know that I did not grow up in a Christian home. My parents were not Christians when I was a, a kid. And so we never went to church. I never saw my parents read the Bible. I never saw them, uh, you know, do anything engaged with God. And uh, so I have no heritage to fall back on. So as I'm looking at raising my kids, I'm looking at them going, okay, how, what does it mean to be a, a Christian father? 
I really have no idea from my own history, my own heritage. Um, you know, and in fact, uh, some people think that because you're a pastor, you just kind of get this. Um, at my previous church, we had a parenting seminar. We brought in this nationally known speaker. Um, he was going to speak, and we had Ethan was probably about two years old at that time. And so we go in, Karen and I, we need some help. We don't know what we're doing. Um, and so we're standing in the back of the auditorium trying to figure out where we're going to sit. And a, a woman in the church, a member of the church, comes in, and she sees me. She's like, Chris, you're here? As if being a pastor, suddenly, you know, the lights all turn green and everything goes crystal clear about how, what it meant to be a, a spiritual parent and, and to be a father and a mother. We had no clue, you know, what it means to be Christian parents. We're figuring out as we go. Now, that's not to say that my parents were, were bad people. They were very good people. They were very moral people. They taught us uh, character and integrity, and, and they taught us a lot of great things. In fact, um, scouting was our religion. Uh, I didn't go to church. I went to scouts. And uh, Christianity, you know, in the church, we have the Great Commission, the Great Commandment. We have in scouts the scout oath and the scout law. Uh, here's the scout oath. And this is something I memorized from the time I was young, and I've said it repeatedly through my life. On my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God my country and to obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. I've got a fellow Eagle Scout over here grinning ear to ear because he said it, Kirk. you said that so many times in your life. And the scout law, we see the scout law in there. What's the scout law? A scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Those are two phrases that I've said my entire childhood all through high school and even into college. And now as a scout leader, I'm beginning to say them again. And you look at those words, you look at the, the terminology in the scout oath and the scout law, those were pretty good. I mean, it, it, aside from, from being biblically based, I mean, if I'm going to look at something to raise my kids, I'm so glad my parents had me in scouts. Because what they taught me through those two things, the scout oath and scout law, have helped shape me into who I am today. And so they gave me a solid foundation. It just wasn't a, a spiritual foundation. And for us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we have to understand this morning, this, this parenting series, we have to understand that the single greatest gift we can give our children is to be men and women of God. If you have your notes inside your bulletin, I'm going to fill in some blanks here as we go. But it doesn't matter what kind of house you give your kids. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes and toys you give your kid. It doesn't matter what kind of car you give them when they, when they turn 16. What matters most, mom and dad, is that you set an example for them of what it means to be a man and a woman of God. Uh, this parenting series, if you're just joining us for the first time uh, last week or this week, uh, we did a, a three-week uh, money series. Uh, Dave Ramsey is a, a nationally known speaker and uh, had video uh, sessions of him for three weeks. And these are two, I think, just critical topics for families to talk about. I've had so many conversations this past week with people talking about their money and about their parenting. Um, and and I've got to tell you, um, this, this has been one of the absolute toughest weeks I've ever had as a dad. I, I don't know if it was spiritual warfare, you know, where Satan's telling me not to teach this morning. Um, I don't know if it was just I had this grandiose idea that I had it all figured out and my kids needed to prove me wrong <laughs> this week. Um, but they did a great job of proving me wrong that I understand parenting. And uh, we had so many times this week where I'm yelling at my kids and, and you know, I'm like taking away things from my daughter because timeouts don't bother her. And, I, I, you know, I, I threatened one time if she, I, I think it was eating dinner. If she didn't eat her vegetables, I was going to take one of her costumes. She loves getting dressed up in these costumes. And she kind of looked at me like, no, you wouldn't. 
and she didn't eat. So I'm like, all right. So I went up and got one of her costumes from her room, and I brought it down to the kitchen table, and I set it beside me, and I said, this one's mine. And she looks at me, and she goes, I don't like that one anyway. <laughs> Karen and I, this week, man, we, we have had some, some, uh, some very healthy conversations about parenting um, this week. Uh, read that to be arguments about how we parent. Um, it's just like everything went wrong this week for me to get up here and teach you about parenting. And, and maybe that's the way it was supposed to be because I, I don't want to ever come across that I've got it all figured out. Now, whether it be in my faith or in my parenting, I, I'm not perfect. And uh, for me to stand up here today, I, I just want you to know I'm, I'm a fellow traveler with you on this journey called parenting, and we're figuring things out as we go. Um, now, there were a few extra lessons I learned through all of the arguments and the frustration this week. Um, and I think these are important lessons for us. Uh, number one, parenting is, a, this isn't in your notes anywhere because this was an add-in last night. Um, parenting is a deeply personal and emotional topic for many people, especially for moms. Husbands, we need to understand that when it comes to being a parent, that is your wife's full-time occupation. Even if she works outside the home, the fact that she is a mother never leaves her mind. She doesn't go to work. She doesn't go to anywhere else and think and forget about kids, you know, and, and sometimes I think we do as husbands. I'm not sure how we do it, um, but we can focus in on work and then, oh yeah, I have, you know, four little munchkins running around at home. Your wife never lets that leave her mind. Okay. Her identity is wrapped up in being a mom. And so when we come to a topic like a parenting series and, and we want to talk about this, you know, how we're doing as parents. Husbands, just understand that you've got you've to find the right way to talk to your wife about this. If there's something that, that you would like to see done differently in your home, find a, way, but know, find a way to talk to her, but know that it's deeply personal and deeply emotional for her. Her identity is wrapped up in that. Um, you've got to find some time to talk about how well you're doing as parents. You just can't go through life and go through parenting and never talk about this. And you've got to find time where, where you can sit down and you can say, you know, honey, is, is there anything that I'm doing as your husband, as your, fa- as your children's father, that I could do better, that you'd like to see me do differently? And, and wives, vice versa. You need to be open to that with your husbands as well. And, and you guys need to come together and be on the same page with your parenting uh, strategy and, and how you're going to raise your kids. And, 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 and an important lesson as well, before I get into what, what it was planned to talk about this morning, you've got to find the right time to talk. Um, I learned this the hard way uh, this week. Uh, guys, the wrong time to talk is when you first get home from work. Uh, your wife is making dinner. She's got like four or five different pots and pans and things going. Uh, the kids are running around, bouncing off the walls, and you know they're yelling at each other and fighting, and she's yelling. And, and then you step in and go, you know, honey, I think you should be doing this differently. <laughs> it doesn't work. Trust me. I tried it this week. It didn't work. Um, nor, wives, does it work to strike up a conversation with your husband at 10, 1030 at night when he's trying to fall asleep in bed after a long day. That doesn't work either. And Karen tried that this week. And I just kind of looked at her. And she's like, you know, do you want to talk now? I'm like, no. I'm like, I don't want to talk now. But you got to carve out some time. Get some time. Get a babysitter. Find some time where you can go get away from the home, get away from the stress of, of the kids and the job, and talk specifically about parenting. Um, this series is going to open your eyes to a lot of things. It's going to challenge you in a lot of things, and you've got to be talking to make sure you're on the same page. Uh, Bill said last week that the main goal of parenting is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from the parent until it rests totally on God. If you have a pen, underline those words or circle those words, gradually transfer gradually transfer. Those two words bring to mind two other words for me, time 
and intentionality. To gradually transfer your children's dependence away from you and to God requires time, quality and quantity, time well spent, not time chauffeuring them from one activity to another, not time you know, spent having them hang out with their friends uh, in your house while you're home, but time where you're on your hands and knees with your kids, you're playing catch with them, you're traveling with them, you have a targeted specific time in mind where you're focusing on them. And they know they have your complete attention, uh, which means no TV, no other activities. It's just you and your kids. And it speaks of intentionality. To gradually transfer means you have to have a plan in place. You have to to be intentional about handing your kids off uh, from your dependence to God's dependence. I learned this lesson a few years ago. Um, My previous church, we built a building about the same time that Great Oaks did here. And I got to know the fire chief pretty well uh, through the whole process. And uh, he'd come in and inspect things and sign off on them. And at the same time, um, I spent a lot of my, my time writing sermons and stuff in coffee shops. And so I always get to know employees in coffee shops. And I was striking a conversation one day with one of the employees, and I knew pretty much all of them. Um, but this one, she was about 20, 21 years old. And uh, she said something about, you know, just a few more weeks. And I said, well, what's, what's in a few more weeks? She said, well, I'm going to Amsterdam for six months. Really? I'm like, Amsterdam's not a cool place. You know, it's not a great place in the world. I'm like, why are you going to Amsterdam? And uh, she says, well, I'm going to go live in a youth hostel. I'm going to work in the youth hostel, and we're going to do street evangelism with the people that stay in the hostel, and we're hoping to pull some women out of prostitution while we're there as well. And I'm like, wow, that is absolutely incredible. And I'm like, you 20, 21-year-old woman, she's going with two or three other female friends, and I'm, I just had a little baby girl. You know, she's about, Morgan's about six months old. And I'm thinking, how in the world could a dad let her do this? Well, come to find out, her dad is the fire chief. We were in the coffee shop one day, and they were talking, and it was obvious they knew each other. And so I got to talk with the fire chief, and I just asked him, I'm like, hey, I, just, I, just, I have a six-month-old little girl. Like, how, I can't even imagine letting her get on a plane to go to someplace like Amsterdam, where prostitution and drugs are so prevalent, and, and just that culture is just horrible and going down the drain. How can you allow her to go do that? And he looked at me, and he said, Chris, you know, God only gives them to us for about 18 years. He said, after that, we've got to hand them back. They've been his all along. He said, we were just blessed to help shape and mold them into who he wanted them to be. And I was like, man. I went home that night, and I gave my little girl a hug, and I told her never go to Amsterdam. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. That's, that's her call. When, uh, when I hand her back to God, uh, whatever God wants to do with her and, and through her, that's, that's his call. But let's talk about this parenting journey. If we're going to begin the parenting journey, uh, with any journey, there's a few questions you've got to ask. Where are we now? Where are we going? And how are we going to get there? And so where are we now? Let's talk about that first question. Now, this, parents, is not a question about your kids. This is a question for you. Remember, this is a parenting series. We're looking in the mirror here. We're looking at the person that we shave with, that we shower with. Uh, we're looking at ourselves right now. And parents, the reality is, here's the truth. You are the primary spiritual educators of your children. Let that sink in for a second. You are the primary spiritual educators of your children. It is not the church. The church doesn't have time to do it. It's not that we're not going to try. It's not that we're not going to take advantage of every hour and every moment we have with your kids, but we don't have enough time to really grow your, your kids. Only you have that time. Uh, some of you were here when Bill taught on this before, and he had, had uh, some containers of Cheetos, and he had one container that had like 40 you know, Cheeto puffs in it, and, and like two or three other containers that had 3,000 Cheetos in it. 
And those two containers represent the amount of time that the church has versus the time that a parent has to invest in their kids. A church has when uh, the average family will be here about 40 Sundays out of the year. And they'll give us one hour a week to invest in, in your kids. And so you come in, you drop your kids off, and, and we love on them, and we teach them, and we give them biblical foundation. Um, and then we send them out. We have about 40 hours in a given year. But we as parents have over 3,000 hours that are non-sleep and non-school time in a given year where you can invest in your kids, where you can take biblical truth and you can, you can put it into their lives as you're going through your days. Um, if, you, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, it's going to be up on the screen as well if you don't have your Bibles. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Now listen, parents. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Did you catch what that didn't say? What that did not say is church. Impress these on your children. Church, talk about these when you're on the road. Church, talk about these when you're at home. Church, put these on the door frames of your homes. Church, tie these on your foreheads. It has nothing to do with the church. This is the call and responsibility of parents to be the spiritual educators of our kids. Uh, many of you may know the verse in Proverbs 22.6. says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. See, the problem is that many of us don't know what it means to train up a child. We don't, maybe you're like me and you didn't have a, a spiritual foundation or spiritual heritage in your parents. And you have no clue. You, you read verses like these and you read Deuteronomy and you go, that sounds great and good, but I, I'm still trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing myself. Like, how in the world am I supposed to do with my kids? I'm like, I, I, I don't even know where to start to teach a, a three-year-old about who God is and, and the existence of, of, of God. Like, how am I supposed to do that? Uh, you know, I, I kind of had, I, I guess in the back of my mind, until I sat down this week and wrote this sermon, I had in the back of my mind my own answer to that, but it, it was never really uh, coalesced into a, 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 a solid answer there. But I have that now. After doing some research and some study, and, you know, if somebody comes up to me and says, Chris, I have no idea how to train up a child in the way it should go. Here's my response. And I like this quote from Josh Billings. To bring up a child in the way you should go, travel that way yourself once in a while. To bring up a child in the way you should go, travel that way yourself once in a while. You see, spiritual parents are spiritual leaders. Our children need to see us being men and women of God. They need to see us living out our faith in real and tangible ways. They need to see us reading our Bibles and serving the community. They need to see us making Sunday mornings and small groups a priority in our lives. They need to see us pray. They need to see us have the scriptures come alive in our own lives. We have no right to tell our kids to believe in God or, or to live out biblical truth if we're not willing to do it ourselves. If we're not willing to set the pace and to be the example for them that they can follow after and they can model, we have no right to say to our kids they need to believe what we believe until we embrace it fully ourselves. I love what uh, the Apostle Paul once wrote to his spiritual children in the, in the church of Corinth. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You see, our calling as spiritual parents is to follow the example that Christ set for us and then to make that visible in our lives, that our kids can follow our example. If you want your kids to grow up to love God and to love people, 
then you had better love God and you had better love people. Now, I want to take a quick tangent. Uh, I, I want to get in my soapbox a little bit because I want to talk to the men in the room. I want to talk to the dads, the husbands. Did you guys see these statistics last week? Go ahead and put them up on the screen if you would. Bill shared these last week. Um, if mom and dad both go to church, there's a 72% chance that when the kids are adults, when they move out of mom and dad's home and they have their own families, there's a 72% chance that they will go to church as well. If mom only goes, it drops down to 15%. Dad, did you see that? And some of you are going, yeah, but I'm here, Chris. Great, I'm glad you are. There's a lot of guys that we know in this church that aren't here. And there's some of you that are here occasionally. And you need to understand that your children's spiritual future is resting on your visible presence in their lives and your visible presence in their spiritual lives. Dads, if, if only dad were to come, it's 55%. And if neither mom nor dad came to church, it's 6% chance that, that that child, when they grow up, will go to church. That's actually me. That, that's my spiritual heritage. I'm in that 6%. I'm, I'm in the, the, the anomaly there. But fathers, husbands, the Bible teaches us that we are the spiritual leaders of our home. We are the head of the household. Now, wives... Before you rebel and start throwing things at me, just remember that you're the neck, and the neck tells the head where to turn, okay? So if he ever gets authoritarian on you and say, I'm the head of the household, you say, yeah, but I tell you where to turn. I'm the neck, all right? But guys, we are the head of the household, which means not that we have authority, which doesn't mean that we have 51% voting right and she has 49% voting right. It means that we lead by example, that we set the pace for what it means to be a man of God, to be a family of God, that we are held accountable for the spiritual growth of our wives and our children, that we're called to be servant leaders as the spiritual leaders of our homes. And this, women, this is why I make no apologies for the amount of time I invest in your husbands. I, I make no apology for the amount of time I invest in men's Bible studies. And, and we got this Wednesday morning group, and I meet with them, and I meet with a, God, a lot of guys and during lunch and before breakfast as they go to work, or, or before they go to work during breakfast. And I make no apologies for that because I know these statistics. And if I can get your husbands to be the men of God that God is calling them to be, I know it's going to impact you. It's going to impact your family for the better. And so I make no apologies for that. Now, we're going to have things for women. We're going to have women's events and women's Bible studies. But I, I just want to tell you, I'm going to invest a lot of time in your husbands. And they're going to invest in me. And we're going to grow together. Uh, this fall, in fact, we're going to be launching a thing for guys called Men's Fraternity. And it's going to meet here on Wednesday mornings from 6 to 7.30. It's, a, it's actually a three-year curriculum that we're going to go through that we can become better men of God, that we can step up and be the servant spiritual leaders that Scripture calls us to be in our homes. My goal is to have 100-plus guys in here every Wednesday morning from 6 to 7.30 a.m. You'll hear more about that over the course of the summer. But uh, I, I make no apologies for the amount of time I want to invest in your husbands. Because I know it's going to make a difference in your marriage. I know it's going to make a difference in your family. I'll get off my soapbox. Where are we now? Where are we going? In other words, what does God want them to become? This is a question for our kids. What does God want our children to become? I led a couple different search teams in my previous church. And uh, we hired a student minister and a family minister. And uh, early in the process, one of the things that we always did after we wrote the job description was we sat back and we, we, we kind of put together this portrait of the ideal candidate. Uh, the ideal employee, 
Uh, what would that person look like? If we could find the perfect employee, uh, what would they look like? You know, is age matter? Uh, does gender matter? Does it matter if they're married or if they're single, if they have kids? Does it matter how long they were at previous church? Did it matter if they were even at a previous church before that? Um, you know, what does that ideal candidate look like? And I think we need to do the same thing with our kids. I, I think we need to take time and be intentional about painting a, a portrait of our ideal uh, child, when they leave our home, what we want them to look like and to act like and be like and, and to believe and what virtues we want them to embrace and what characteristics and, and values we want them to embrace. We can't just let it happen naturally and accidentally. We've got to be intentional about it. A couple of verses that have always kind of jumped around in my head when I think about my kids is uh, Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I would love it if my kids were fair, were honorable, if they understood justice, if they treated everybody equally. I'd, I'd love it if, if they showed mercy and forgiveness and compassion um, first to each other. I'm still working on that one. Um, but then outside the home as well. You know, I want my kids to, to step in and, and show mercy to people. I've told Ethan, he's going to be a big kid, and you're going to be a big guy, and, and you're going to see things. You're going to be able to stop things when, when fights are going on, and you need to step in and be the peacemaker. You know, I want, I want him to, to show mercy and to be that person, to be the peacemaker. I want him to, to walk humbly with God. I want him to understand when they leave our home how big God is and how little they are, and yet how much they matter to him. I want them to know that. Another verse that jumps around in my mind is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'd love to see these virtues played out in my kids' lives. Now, some of you theologians in the room are going, but Chris, that's what the Holy Spirit does. I understand that, okay? But they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. They haven't turned their life over to Christ yet. So I'm just giving the Holy Spirit a little bit of a head start. You know, I'm making sure he's got some room to work there. I'm making his job a little easier. But take some time. Paint a portrait of what you want your kids to look like when they leave your home. And when you hand them back to God, what do you want them to embrace? What do you want them to believe? What do you want them to live out in their lives? And lastly, how are we going to get there? What's their next step? Uh, we talk at Great Oaks all the time that everybody has a next step. And, and this, this comes across that we need a, a plan. We need a parenting plan. Uh, we can't just let it happen naturally. We can't just let it happen accidentally. We've got to come up with, with some strategy for investing in our kids and helping them, them grow in the spiritual realm. And so at church, we actually have a plan in place. We have a, a, a foundational plan for your children. If you have your notes in the back of your, your notes there, you'll see we've got tiny tots. Little Oaks, Upstreet, Breakaway, and Culture Shift. From the time that a kid is born in this church until the time they graduate high school, we have a list of core values and core virtues that we teach on, that we invest in your children. And we, I wanted to give this to you this morning so you understood this, and you begin to use this terminology in your, in your parenting. Uh, look at Upstreet, K-5. through five. Um, Ethan has heard me say repeatedly, you need to make the wise choice. You know, we'll, we'll talk about what's happening in school and for situations with friends. I'm like, you need to make the wise choice. You need to treat others the way that you want to be treated. And parenting, parents, I want to give you this so that you can begin to use this vernacular with your kids. When they come home and they, they talk about it, you know what they're talking about. Uh, as well, parents in the, the Upstreet, we have these God time cards and these fridge cards. 
Um, don't, don't just take these home and throw them away, throw them to the side and forget about them. Use these things. These are a great way to start investing in your children's spiritual growth. Uh, the, the God Time Cards is four days of daily devotions that you can do with your kids. It's real simple. It takes about five to ten minutes to go through. A lot of them are hands-on craft activities as well, which I know kids love. And so in, take some time. Take these tools and invest in that. But you can't stop there. You can't look at the church and say, okay, you got, you got these core values, these core virtues, and you got 40 hours. Go for it. You've got to remember you have 3,000 hours that we don't have as a church. And so you've got to personalize your plan. Take into consideration uh, the time that you have with your kids and their personality and the way that, that you can explain things to them, the way that they, that they connect with God. Um, these are some things. Bill talked last week about some of the things that he, he had done with uh, his kids these are some things that Karen and I do, and um, I, I never really actually sat down and wrote them out until this week. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm traveling with you down this journey of, of being a spiritual parent. But these are things that I've kind of stumbled on and I've done. Um, I'm, not, I'm not patting myself on the back. Um, like I said, I don't have this thing figured out, and some of these things won't work with you guys, and you guys do some things that I don't do. But you've got to know your kids. You've got to know how, how best to teach them. Uh, but some of the things that Karen and I do, uh, regular church attendance. Um, our kids know that church is a priority. They know that come Sunday morning, we're going to be in church. No ifs, ands, or buts. Now, as they get older, I'm sure they're going to challenge that. And they're going to be like, I don't want to go to church. And I'll have to figure out how to lead them through that. Um, beatings, I think, are good. Um, but, uh, you know, they know right now. And even if we travel, um, you know, Karen and the kids will go up to Chicago and, and pretty often they'll go to our former church up there, um, even though they're not here. And they just, our kids know that when we travel, they're going to go on, they're going to try and go to church wherever we go. Um, individual devotions. Uh, Morgan has this uh, preschool Bible and it's just got a lot of pictures and very simple sentences and, and we'll sit down occasionally. Now, I, we have spurts, okay? I, I go really well with doing individual devotions with the kids, and then I'll have like four weeks of dry spell where I don't do it, and then Karen gently reminds me um, to do devotions uh, with the kids. And so we'll get out Morgan's little preschool Bible, and, and I'll tell the story, and then she tells the story herself. And um, something gets lost in translation, but she's only four, um, so, you know, it's okay. And like all the people that are the Israelites, you know, they have brown skin, they're Mexicans. Um, <laughs> I even, you know, I don't know where she gets it from. Um, and all the angels are fairies. Um, and so she'll tell the story herself. And, you know, the fairies came down and talked to the Mexicans. And, like, <laughs> we're working. We're moving forward, okay? We're getting there. Ethan has a Bible. It's a, it's a, a kid's print um, Bible. But it's, it's not anything less than what I study on a regular basis. And uh, so now that he's starting to read... That's opening up a whole new, new uh, door of discipleship for us. Before, I would always kind of summarize who God was and what the scriptures say. Now we can actually dive in and, and we can study scripture together. And uh, we were talking the other day and we studied John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. What does that mean? And we were able to start dissecting that and studying that. So that's a whole new realm of, of discipleship with my own son. Um, Second Saturdays, our monthly community service projects. Um, Ethan knows that as long as we're in town, we're going to be here on the second Saturday and we're going to serve together. And he loves that. He absolutely loves that. In fact, this last time, um, he and Karen and Morgan went up to Chicago to see grandma and grandpa, um, during a second Saturday. And he found out I was going to be working and I wasn't going to Chicago with them that, that I was going to be working on the second Saturday. He actually wanted to pass up a trip to grandma and grandpa's so he could stay and help clean up roofing materials down at Peoria Rescue Ministries. You talk about what that did to me as a father. 
And it's nothing I've done more than just say, hey, son, it's second Saturday. Let's go. We're going to go serve. And he loves it. Uh, Morgan actually cried uh, one, of the few, one of the first uh, second Saturdays we had. She wanted to go with. She's like, I want to go help clean up. I want to go do this. You know, and we're like, okay, you'll get there soon enough. You'll get there soon enough. Uh, Operation Christmas Child, um, we do the shoeboxes every year uh, for kids around the world. And maybe the only Christmas present they get. Uh, we started that when Ethan was about three years old. And, and he didn't understand it at first. We went to the store and, and I said, okay, pick out things that you really love and then you're not going to get them. And you're like, What? It doesn't make sense to me, Dad. And once we finally got it sink in, this is for a little boy your age, somewhere around the world. This will probably be the only Christmas present they get. His heart just broke for this little boy. And we prayed for that little boy. He initiated it almost every night for two weeks after we wrapped that box. Bible reading and small group involvement. And I'm not talking about your kids. I'm talking about you guys as parents. Your children need to see you in the Word, and they need to see you involved in small groups, connecting with other people and growing in your faith. Uh, my kids know, and, and again, this isn't anything to brag on me. This is just how I connect with God. My kids know that, that when they get up in the morning, they can usually find me in the recliner with a cup of coffee and the Bible. And Morgan, the last few days, has come down, and she's crawled up in my lap, and, and I finished reading what I was reading, and then we talk, and we have breakfast, and we move on with our day. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing elaborate. But they see the Bible open in my lap, and they see me reading it. And they know that small group is important to us as, as, um, as mom and dad. And our small group, um, we have once a month, we have a family meal. Uh, in fact, that's what we do, we're doing tonight. Um, and kids are invited to that. They come and they be a part of it and we, we laugh and we have fun. But two other Sunday nights out of the month, we have a study night. And they know that they're going to get dropped off at the babysitters. And the mom and dad are going to go for a couple hours and they're going to talk about the Bible. They know that we're not going out and just eating and having fun. They know why we're going. They know that we're going to study the Bible and to grow as, as Christians. Um, and, and probably the, the, my favorite thing. Um, that I've done. And this is something I stumbled upon. My mentor did this with his kids. And it's something I probably never would have thought about doing. Um, but every Thursday morning, since Ethan started first grade, um, every Thursday morning, he and I go out for breakfast together. And we just call it breakfast with dad. And every Wednesday night, he knows. He's like, breakfast with dad tomorrow? I say, yeah, breakfast with dad. And we'll either go to Jubilee and we'll get donuts or chocolate milk or we'll go to McDonald's and you know get something over there. And We'll always have his Bible with us, and sometimes we'll study out of it. Sometimes we won't even look at it. We'll just talk about you know, family or school or his friends or what's happening in life. But he knows that every Thursday he's got dad undivided for a half hour to 45 minutes. And he probably will never remember what we talked about, but he'll remember that he had that time. And when he becomes a middle schooler, when he becomes a teenager, when he becomes an adult, he'll know that he can always come back to his dad, and he can say, Dad, I've got to talk to you about something. And I'm going to start the same thing with Morgan when she gets in first grade. And it's just going to be breakfast with dad once a week. I, I threw this out to, uh, to my friends on Facebook. And I said, you know, what do you what do? You do? Uh, this is kind of what I do. What, what do you guys do? Uh, one, one friend said, you know, we make sure that prayer is vital in our family. We always have regular prayer times. Um, one family said uh, playing Christian music in their homes and their cars. And, and that one jumped out at me because um, we weren't always so good at that when, when our kids were younger. Uh, when Ethan was about four, Karen was pulling to the church one Sunday morning. And uh, we didn't even think about what was on the radio, to be honest. We just had the radio on. And, and uh, all of a sudden, he starts singing Deaf Leopards, Pour Some Sugar on Me. <laughs> As a four-year-old, getting ready to go into church. And not a good song, you know, uh, for any four-year-old to know, much less just going to church. Um, so we've started to make sure that when the kids are in the, in the radio or in the car, we have the Christian radio station on. And it is incredible the songs that my kids know and love. I mean, songs that I don't even know. And they'll start singing the lyrics. And, and to hear my kids sing theology 
because of a song on the radio. Their, their, their view of God is being shaped just by having the radio on in the car. Uh, and then one person did say beat them until they obey. So um, they're, I think they're here, actually. So uh, let me close with this. We are called to shape and to mold our kids into young men and young women of God. Uh, picture, you know, a model in clay. If you take a lump of clay and you just set it on a table, is it going to do anything? Is it going to become anything? Is it going to be transformed into anything useful? Absolutely not. It's not until you, you put your hands on that modeling clay and you begin to shape it and you mold it and you make it into to whatever's in your mind, whatever you've envisioned for that, that piece of clay. And our kids are the same way. But we're called by God to shape them and mold them like clay in our hands, to partner with him in that process. And so how are you going to answer those three questions? Do you know where you are? Are you the spiritual leaders in your homes? Are you men and women of God that, that are visible, that your kids can model their lives after? Do you know where you're going? Do you have a, a, a future, a portrait painted for your kids and what you want them to be like when they leave your home? And do you know how you're going to get there? Do you have an intentional plan that, that invests a lot of time specifically in helping your kids grow into who God wants them to be? I hope you do. If you don't, now's a great time to start. It's never too late. If, you're, if your kids are grown and out of the home, uh, you, you have grandkids, you have grandkids someday. Uh, grandparents, you have some of the greatest influence on kids, influence that parents will never have. And so leverage that influence as well and partner with mom and dad and help shape and mold them into who God wants them to be. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.